This is Faith Deform, podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. I'm Ray Schillens. F2F Music Foundation's mission is seeking to enable all youth to pursue continuous, rigorous training in music and their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the best academic achievements possible. I think uh, there's more to that mission statement, by the way, but I think that really sums it up uh, nicely. And F2F is an actively moving and motivating process. And it's been growing like crazy over 2020. You wanna talk about something good that happened in 2020? All you have to do is say F2F and you can see the growth uh, that has happened with that. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, it's really kind of fun that we get together today. Vel Lewis uh, is, uh, is, is the head dude with the F2F Foundation. <laughs> and it, it was his concept, his idea that got it going. And that's that's the coolest part. Vel is an award-winning Hammond organist keyboard. I, I know that you play other keyboards as well because you're just as good on any keyboard. It's good. But Hammond, yes, indeed. <laughs> and his music can be found on television programs, The Sopranos, Mad About You, Friends, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and so much more. And um, Vel knows a lot of really great people in this biz and has worked with a lot of great people in the biz as well, including some guy who now lives in Jacksonville, who used to live in Texas. That's okay. His name is Larry Braggs. You, you can really call Larry Braggs a tower of power. And the reason I say that is because music and entertainment is a lifelong passion, doing all things music from start to, to right now. And it's not about the music. It's about the style. It's, you know, Larry can sing, no doubt about that. But it was much more than that. Somebody, some folks uh, just know where the sweet spot is in life. And I think Larry has found it early and he keeps it going, hitting all the right notes along the way. So, guys, here we are together. And the reason we're talking about together, uh, we've already uh, produced an event for uh, F2F Music Foundation. So, Larry and Val and Happy New Year. It's Happy 2021. Yes. Yeah. We made it. We made it. We made That's it. Right. Happy life. Happy life, guys. Wow. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Hey, Vel, uh, real quick, uh, before we get talking with, with Larry, let's talk a little bit about some of the great things that have happened over the holidays here with, with F2F, some of the cool stuff. Well, yeah. First, uh, you know, we were awarded a couple grants, and there's going to be a press release coming out uh, next week about that. So uh, everyone, uh, keep your eyes on our social media and uh, got a newsletter coming as well, which will uh, have a copy of that so you can see what exactly happened. But uh, we're able now to actually uh, run these programs that we've been kind of doing from our pocketbooks uh, personally. But now that we've got some uh, more involvement from other organizations, that's uh, really exciting. And also, uh, we just launched a F2F logo gear merchandise line. So uh, I actually am wearing one of the T-shirts today that I just got this week, which is so nice. Uh, That's and a good actually, shirt, dude. Yeah, and the material is really nice, too. It's nice and warm, which we need this time of year. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Larry. And we've got <laughs> some... Uh, Coffee cups, we've got mugs, we've got travel mugs, we've got uh, F2F pillows and 
uh, phone cases. There's a really good selection of products that we can uh, now hopefully raise funds with. So all of you out there, please visit our Facebook page, F2F. Go to our website. Uh, we do have a tab there that will show you all the products. I think it's about 57 uh, products that are listed right there now. I'll and, take uh, one of each. That'll be fine. Yeah, I'm trying to, but I, I, I can't afford it right now. I'll do it a little <laughs> at a time. <laughs> but that's been really exciting to launch that. And, you know, Gilbreth uh, Communications has really been a, a, a wonderful partnership, haven't they, Bill? Absolutely, yeah. We've got a lot of good things coming, like I say, with a press release that they're working on right now. Yeah. And uh, giving a lot of tips and advice, which is uh, really helpful to be able to promote the organization more. And uh, we've got some plans to uh, really penetrate into the corporate arena, arena, which is going to be nice, and uh, be able to get exposure there so people know more about what we're doing, what our programs are doing. And uh, just actually uh, solidified a meeting with uh, Fort Bend ISD, which is coming up next week to run our music workshops with uh, schools there. And I'm really excited about that because um, some of the band directors I've already talked to, they're excited as well. So uh, we look forward to launching that program this year. So that's so, just a few things. Yeah, and lots more to come as well. You know, your relationship with Larry Braggs goes back a lot uh, farther than 2017 when we uh, did the thing at the historic Sugarland Auditorium with the Dulles High School right. Red Power Horns, uh, with 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 uh, Larry and Uvell and uh, you know Larry, I experienced not only the event but we went through the rehearsals with uh, with these incredible students uh, that were playing, and you know everybody has an experience in life that they will ever, never ever forget, and I think for for that evening and for that uh, time that we rehearsed and got that thing put together. That's what you did, uh, both of you did for these uh, these incredible students from Dulles High School. So, Larry, talk about that. Um, first of all, how the heck did Bill talk you into coming down to Sugar Land to do that thing, man? What, what, did, he, what did he do? <laughs> well, he, he has some, uh, you know, some not so pleasant artifacts of me that he has hidden away, and he brings them every night. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so he called. He called me and said, "Hey, man, you know, I, you know, I got some kids, and all you have to do is say kids with me, man, and I, and I'm kind of in, you know, because I'm just really willing to give back to like kids, and uh, you know, whenever it's time to help kids out, help them move forward in the arts, especially music, because teachers saved my life when I was coming up. So I know how precious is how precious it is to help out these kids and get them on the right tracks." So whenever he said that, I was like, cool, man, I'm in. Let's, let's make it happen. You know? mm -hmm. And it did happen as well. Uh, as I said, it was a life-changing experience for everybody. And imagine the parents sitting out there watching this, watching their kids up there on stage with, uh, with you guys playing. That was a pretty cool event. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, because of both of your efforts, uh, it worked. And we, wanted, we need to do that again, okay? Yep. Sooner than later. It's funny how people think, you know, they think, hey, man, it's it's so cool for you guys to, like, take your time out and do it. But they don't understand it. It's just as much fun as for us to do it. Right. It is exactly. Because we like to see the smiles on their faces because we're just having fun because we don't get to see each other all the time. Right. Whenever we're together, any musicians, whenever they're together, they want to have a good time and play. So who's ever around, they just get thrown into the party. Right. <laughs> Whether they want to or not. 
you know. Exactly. Things have changed from the 70s and 60s to now. Now we're old men. We're just having a good time looking at young people have a good time. Because mm-hmm. that's what we do right now is just enjoy that, which is fun, you know. You know, Larry, one of the things you had mentioned, you mentioned it uh, earlier in our conversation today, uh, that school saved your life. You said that uh, school saves kids' lives, and you are now an instructor at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff as well. Um, what do you mean by that, school saves kids' lives? Well, it the environment, the teachers. I had, in high school, I had, I had three teachers. Um... Constance DuBose, John Gans, and um, and Miss Curtis in the music department. Miss Curtis is actually a math teacher, but the music department teachers, um, they really like just took us under our wings, took me under our wings, and wouldn't let me fail. You know, they kind of saw something in me that you don't see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't let you fail, no matter how you tried to fail. They wouldn't let you fail. You know, and so they told me, uh, look. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go to school. You're going to graduate. You're going to get your degree, and you'll come back here and teach, so I can retire. And I was, <laughs> who said that? <laughs> <laughs> Whose plan is this? They go, yeah, right. This is your plan that we're giving you. And and so, if they hadn't done that, man, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, so you know, it's a tough neighborhood. But we had a lot of love. When you go to a school, and all the teachers at the school, most of them are your Friends, parents, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to get in trouble, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. They're looking at you from every corner of the school, so it's like that was just one of those parts in a really terrible neighbor—not terrible neighborhood, but a poor neighborhood, you know—and mm-hmm. a neighborhood that need that didn't have all of the assets that a child needed to, you know, to to pursue his dreams. But we had the love of those teachers and those parents in that neighborhood when I was growing up, so. If you got in trouble down the street before you got home, your parents already knew it. So it was like kind of hard for you to do that thing and get away with it. And so just just growing up and when I became available to teach, I said, and when I got to college, I had my professor, Shelton, Shelton McGee, who had the same range of voice that I did, but it was so much powerful. And I was a freshman and he was like, you know, probably 50 something years old then, which I considered was old at that point, but the man had a voice of an angel. Mm. And, and he told me that, you know, son, you can't just be around and singing like a whiskey tenor. I had no idea what he meant, but somehow yeah. I didn't know what he meant at the same time. <laughs> you know? And so those teachers really propelled me to where I am. And hopefully I can give back to those students that I taught music. I taught music business last semester. And it had some challenging students. And I took one student under my wing at the end of the semester knowing he was going to fail, but I couldn't let him fail because people didn't let me fail. Right. So straight three-day weekend, I took him through the whole class, and we just stayed at it and stayed at it and stayed at it until I got him through the class. And, and his mother thanked me, which is pretty cool. It was pretty mm-hmm. cool to do that. You know, it really is cool. We walk through life. Uh, we can either ignore life or we can participate and, and both of you are doing that. Uh, you, you are touching people's lives, changing people's lives, not only with your, 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 your entertainment and your ability to sing and play, but, uh, but what you're doing to, to change people's lives. Chicago soul is, is at the heart of who you are. 
So I want to know why one of your first songs at five years old was a Beatles song, A Hard Day's Night. And would you sing it for us now? Just the chorus, dude, okay? Uh, you want it in the five-year-old voice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. A Hard Day's Night, that's so funny, man. A Hard Day's Night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day. And then my, my aunt, I had an aunt who was my aunt by marriage. She was married to my uncle. And my aunt, and some of this stuff I don't remember because I was young. Yeah. She used to put me on the table at five and say, sing me a song, babe. And the Beatles was the only song I knew at that point. <laughs> I don't even know how I learned that song at five. So. Yeah. You know, but the Beatles hot back then. So I, you know, yeah. I came to Beatles and then all, all of a sudden I saw James Brown and went nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, we, our stories are so, so much similar. Yeah. It's funny as I hear. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right about that, Bill. You guys, you guys are so, I mean, Philly, Chicago, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's somewhere, the same. Somewhere in the world, there's pictures of me dancing like James Brown when I was about 10. Whoa. I don't know who has them in my family, but they're probably holding it for ransom money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> money yet, so they're still holding them. <laughs> you, you have an interesting story too about uh, Tower of Power. It's basically you were you were like, I'm going to get the gig. I don't care who else is auditioning, and it wasn't about the singing. It was more about the entertainment factor. Uh, getting into Tower of Power. Talk about that. Well, I've always considered, my, well, there's a lot of people that can out-sing me. Just put it that way. I know a lot of people that out-sing me, and, you know, that's just they have a God-given gift. They can just go for it. Mm -hmm. I always had this idea that I'm never going to let anybody out-entertain me. Mm -hmm. So you can't just be a singer and stand on stage and be that post and sing these beautiful lyrics because that's kind of boring to some people because after mm -hmm. a while, they just start hearing wah, 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 And so, but if I'm being entertaining along with the singing and I'm learning how to perform and all these things because I watched James Brown, I watched, you know, Michael Jackson. I watched, you know, I know you're going to laugh. Tom Jones was my idol when I was little. I used to run in the house and watch the Tom Jones show, you know. Didn't you Didn't you perform with him one time as well? Or? Yeah, with him for two years in Tower, and I was like, on I was in heaven the whole time. I'm like, man, I'm two with James with uh, Tom Jones, Sir Tom Jones, just to say. Yeah, right. And, and I learned how to perform, you know, watching a guy named Greg Sane, who nobody knows. Greg Sane couldn't sing. He doesn't sing. He's not the great singer. He's not a great singer, but he was a great entertainer on stage. So he 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 masked that that what he didn't have vocally with his entertaining ability. And so I said, okay, let's watch that. Let's learn how he does that. And let's move from that and learn how to sing. And I learned how to sing melodies from a saxophone player in college named Skip Pruitt. Mm. I used to always watch Skip play saxophone. And Skip always thought he was a, a vocalist on saxophone. Mm. So he would really play these melodies a little different from how you can sing them. So he's always had these conversations with him like, hey, man, how do you do that? Because if a singer saying all those notes in a melody, it just sound like a mess. But on a saxophone, he just can't play ba 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 and stop. It has to be ba ba da ba, something mm -hmm. like that, you know. So we had these conversations, and I learned a lot of that stuff from him. Now these guys will tell you they taught me how to sing, but really I just listened to what they did on the horn. 
Yeah. So a lot wow. of just came up that way. And that's what yeah. I always tried to do. And tried to get better and better and better and tried to hear and always tried to sing in the pocket. That's what I think is more important for a singer than anything else. Sing in the pocket. And when you sing in somebody else's song, stay true to the song. Try to keep the integrity of the songs. And that's what I did in Tower. Even though you can't sound like, you know, uh, uh, Lenny Williams. You can't sound like um, Rick Stevens. But if you keep the integrity of the song, integrity, I'm sorry, and the inflections that they kind of use, did really like using the song in the way that they used it. And so that's what I did. And that's what I try to do all the time. You know, I noticed that with the students as well from uh, Dulles High School, you were able to sing, you were able to show them with your voice how to play the horns, if that makes sense. In other words, taking, well, now we're turning it around. You're looking in the mirror and you're going, okay, here's how you can do this. You just did it a moment ago as well. Uh, you know what I mean? You can relate to that kind of stuff. I want to ask you, so you, you, so many years with Tower of Power and all of a sudden you get a call and from the folks, uh, the, the one guy from the Temptations uh, and said, come on, join us. And it's like, was that hard? Was that hard to make that jump? Because, you know, when you get associated with somebody for such a long time, and it's got such a great thing going. And all of a sudden you say, well, I'm going to leave and uh, do something else here. Was that a tough thing, a choice to make for you? That was one of the hardest things to do to go from Tower of Power to the Temptations. Because they're completely different animals, man. It, yeah. It's, it's like you you jump out of this, you know, crazy souped up truck that's going 100 miles an hour that's just running over things to yeah. Ferrari that's still fast, but it's like just this luxurious, luxurious ride. Yeah. I had never been in a five-man group, which is ironic because when I was in high school, I wanted to be in a five-man group. There was, <laughs> there was yeah. something running around Chicago. I just... Nobody would let me in the group because when I was in high school and, and middle school, I played basketball a lot. So people really didn't know I really sang because I was just playing basketball with guys and I just wanted to play basketball. But singing was like the other thing I did on the back end to keep me out of trouble. And so uh, all these five-man groups, man, they liked me, but I was like the younger guy around, around all these older guys. They wouldn't let me in. So when the Temptations finally called, I said, yeah. And then when I started watching the videos, I went, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> oh, I didn't relate. <laughs> the dance moves and steps. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about this part, you know? But you know, it was a joy to learn, though. The first rehearsal was like, you know, just starstruck, man. I walk in rehearsal. There's Otis Williams, there's Terry Weeks, who, I think is one of the most underrated singers in the world. Terry Weeks, he's like utility guy in, in Temptations. Mm-hmm. Terry can sing anybody's part, move in anybody's, anybody's position and just keep it going. You know, he's that guy. He's that good. He can sing all the parts, all the ranges, every song. That's how good he is. Ron Tyson was the first tenor. So I'm sitting down and the first song we start singing is My Girl, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta be kidding me right now, man. I'm And I'm singing the lead. I'm like, oh my God. I'm going, wait a minute. You're singing David Ruffin's part. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. the sweat starts pouring. <laughs> <laughs> so so being a temptation, man, was it hard to be Larry Braggs or did you turn into David? I mean, because you, you got to bring a little bit with you, of you with you, but you also got to take a little bit of you and make that morph into 
the character that you're you're really playing a character is what you're doing same thing man i had to like take keep the integrity of the song because there never be there will never be another david ruffin there will never be another dennis edwards you know there'll never be another paul williams Mm -hmm. you know there'll never be another eddie kendricks so what you have to bring to that is bring yourself keep integrity and then as the people start to get comfortable with you singing the song because they're going to listen to the song and say does this guy have the chops right david ruffin you know so once you get past that then you can start like integrating a little view and and more more view and more view and then your personality then then they like accept you but you just dive in with you and that's the problem with people have sometimes joining these historical legendary groups these legacy Mm -hmm. is they come in and they try to like turn a group like the temptations into a hip-hop group there's never Mm -hmm. never gonna happen you know, that's, that's that's almost uh that's wrong that would be so so wrong to do something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. so yeah. you got to respect that i guess and the respect of where you're at and all that kind of stuff yeah. you so you know you've been every place chicago mississippi uh texas now you're in jacksonville florida outside of jacksonville florida and you're now an educator um Talk about talk about the experience so far of, of doing that with the kids. Now you're doing with uh, you're doing virtual right now, obviously. Yeah, yes. So how's that going, man? How's that going? And you know, it's so it's it's so gratifying, and and it's weird because in some cases this pandemic has been horrible, horrific, just all around, right? But it's allowed us to slow down at some point too, right? You, you start to reflect and you start to appreciate life. And I don't know, maybe that was, you know, maybe that was God's plan, you know, all along. I mean, there's some horrible things that's happened and we can't question how he does it and why he does it. But when you look at your own life, you start thinking, okay, the music is shut down. Nobody's touring, you know, but the bills are still coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think, well, now I have to like, I'm forced to reinvent, to reinvent yourself. You're forced. I was forced to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was doing other things. I, you know, we started by, like everybody else, Bell, you know, you started buying studio equipment and trying to figure out how to use studio equipment. And I never right. be an engineer and I wind up with logic and I'm looking at the screen going, what the hell is this? I'm, yeah. <laughs> right. Now what I do. You know, I stand back there at the microphone and somebody else does this button thing. And so yeah. now you're forced to do that. And then after that, you know, you're forced, okay, now what? I got to move from that because you're still not selling a bunch of records. You're making a bunch of songs, but you're not selling anything. Right. The opportunity came, you know, I I went down to homecoming at my school for the first time in like a long time. And they came up when I was still in Texas, right before I left. They wanted to do an interview. The school wanted to do an interview of me. And they wanted to put me on the cover of the homecoming magazine. So they did this seven-page spread article on me, which was cool. And it was going to turn out nice and everything. And so then I had the opportunity. I was talking to the fundraising uh, chancellor, vice chancellor of fundraising. And I was talking to him about what I, this ideal I had. And he goes, he brags. Hold on a second. I'm selfish. He goes, you're an alumni of this school. You need to be here. Because I wanted to take it to Florida A&M because I live in Florida now. He goes, no, 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 no. You, you, you're an alumni of this school. Mm-hmm. Gave me the opportunity to come into the music department there. I said, but you know, I only have my bachelor's degree. He goes, you've been on the road 30 years, man. <laughs> yeah, you got your master's. You've already earned a master's degree. 
and, and that's how I learned. And then I got this class, music business, and started out with 11 students. And some of them were really, they're all talented individuals, but they hadn't been taught what's going to happen to them when they leave the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and really start to like put their skills into the world. Mm-hmm. That, that book learning sometimes does not transfer to like what we do in the outside world in the music business, Bill, as you know. You know That's right. Anybody can play an instrument, but can you play it with somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know? And can you make music happen? Do you know what happens with management and road and touring and dims and, and publishing and all these things? And they didn't know that. They knew mm-hmm. they didn't know ASCAP and BMI and all these things, you know, they, they had no idea what these PROs were. You right. know, and what and what getting, you know, mechanical royalties and how to make sure you get your money and don't lose money and don't give your royalties away and don't give up all your writing privileges and all this and your publishing. So the class was a Zoom class and they didn't realize the kind of instructor I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was an old school instructor. If you miss class, I would call you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was crazy, man. I would call them on the phone. They're like, who's this? This is Professor Bragg. They go, like, oh, hello, sir. Like, what are you today? <laughs> they like, huh? You missed class. Where were you? You were not on my Zoom class. And it became this regular thing with me and this. And they were like, Mr. Mr. Bragg is crazy, man. He'll text you, call you. So the, the administrators at the school go, they go like, Mr. Braggs, your students love you. You know, we need most. We need more teachers like you, man, to just stay engaged instead of just. Most colleges just, you know, give you the work, give you the lecture, you either get it or you don't. Right. That, that's not an HBCU school. That's not what we do at historical black universities. You know, we're it's a family atmosphere, and your parents sent you there, and we're supposed to take care of you. Now you got to do the work, but yeah. we're supposed to take care of you too, and wrap our arms around you, kind of like keep you in check when you're getting out of hand. And they thought I was crazy, man. They thought I was nuts. I would text them and say, hey, you know, and they would text me back and these weird text messages. And they're like, what the heck does that mean? You know, <laughs> I had a young man from uh, Louisiana. He would text me. Every time he would answer me, he would say, for sure. <laughs> 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 for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I said, hey, your class starts today at 1 o'clock. For sure. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so midway through the midway through the uh, semester, he started getting it, man. And he and he changed. Grades went up. He said, "Yes, sir, I'll be there." You know, he would always he was always like slipping and like roll back to for show. And then right after that, he right back. I mean, yes, sir. And I would crack up laughing, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, for show. Yeah, man. But I've been doing the same thing with these kids when they sign up for the workshops that we've been having. We have one in November and December. Yeah. And as well as a jazz improvisation camp in July last year. Yeah. And they'd register, but then when we send the invitations out, I don't know if they got it or anything. So I'm calling them, sending them text messages. Hey, did you get the inv- invitation? Oh, yeah, I got it. Well, don't you know how to say something? Let me know that you got it so I'll know that you're going to be there. And yeah. then the day of, they don't show up again. I send a text. Hey, where you at? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! I, 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 I just got up. I'll be right there. <laughs> you better yeah, hurry te- up. Come on, we've already you guys, are, you guys are teaching accountability. Yeah, um, 
it's it's really true. You know, we do uh, here at Radio Lounge, we do voice coaching for voice actors and mm -hmm. such. And uh, it's 95% business and 5% voice. And if you don't know how to do the business end, you, you can have an incredible voice and, and a good, a good you know, instrument, so to speak. But if you don't know how to use it uh, in a business sense, you fail. So that's what we teach. And a lot of a lot of these places that do voice coaching don't do that. They just say, we're going to get you a demo. We're going to do something great. And then they throw you out there and then you get hit by a bus, which is right. the industry. Right. You know, one thing I noticed about both of you, um, it's true. And I'll, and I'll pick up this specific uh, uh, thing from from Larry. Uh, you were working three jobs in California, okay? That's a work ethic. It's not stupid. It's a good thing. You were a Sears manager from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. You worked selling propane between 4 and 8, and then you went to Harry Denton Starlight Club, and you performed from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., and somehow in between 1 a.m. and 7 a.m., you slept, I hope to God. Ooh, who have you been talking to, man? <laughs> uh, we, we have our sources, okay? And uh, but, so, but, but, but Vel's the same way. I mean, you guys, you guys, yeah. you guys are, you know, brothers, not from the same mother for crying out loud. You, you had the same work ethic, which is why you are at where you're at today. And isn't it interesting, both of you, both Vel and Larry, you're doing the same thing, man. You're right. doing the same thing. You're you're you you're successful musicians and singers, and and now what you're doing is you're taking all of that valuable stuff that's inside of you, and 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 you know helping others do the same thing. Of course, you've been doing that all along, but you just didn't know it. Okay, right. yeah. influencing. Yeah, because like I told you when I got out of high school, my teacher wanted me to teach, and I was like, I'm never going to teach. Look at mm -hmm. me now. And I just didn't start out like, you know, preschool. I had to jump to like, you know, higher education. <laughs> right? Same here with me. This is when I finished touring with the Delphonics. I came back home. My mother looked at me the next day. She said, okay, so what are you going to do with yourself? Yeah, see, another one of them uh, get in, the Delphonics. Another one of them groups I didn't get in. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to get up, you know, eventually. No. You're going to go downtown. You're going to go to the school district of Philadelphia. You're going to go talk to Mr. Tom Watkins. You know Mr. Watkins. He's there. He's waiting for you. And you're going to start working. That's what, 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 where? You're going to work in the school. Matter of fact, tell him I said that I want you to be in that school with me. I'm like, oh, Lord, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about that, Val? Is if you've seen the movie Soul, that's, I our, did. that's our story. You know, it is. I saw it. it exactly. Mother said, was, you know, you know, there's a good job down at the school. But you're like, oh, I want to be on tour. Yeah, but they give So me now are we talking copyright infringement here because <laughs> it's your story? <laughs> I don't know. You know. <laughs> That's the old school music world. That's what we learned. Yeah. And, and uh, that, yeah, so I was so glad to see that they had Jamie Foxx play that part because I knew he would do a really good job with it. And he did. I really like that. Really good movie. Really good movie. It's yeah. fun. Hey, Larry, your kids are, are, are also pursuing uh, music. You've got, you've got Cody and Andrew and Brandon. They're all doing stuff in the music industry too, as well, huh? Yeah. Well, Brandon is a soccer player. He's the youngest one. He, he wants nothing to do with music right now. You know, he played, right. he played percussions for a while in high school and then. He decided that I just want to play soccer. So he's just playing soccer. Cody is writing songs. He's got stuff up on iCloud. And uh, Cody just turned 20 on the 7th. Mm -hmm. and, anyway, and my other son, uh, 
uh, Andrew, who goes by the name of you know Spitfire. He's been a rapper and writer and uh, producer for years now. He lives out in California, and so they're great man. You know, I, I listen to them sing, and they really they're more talented than I am. But I won't tell them that. <laughs> so don't let them listen to this. Then. <laughs> Tell them that yet, you know, but they're very creative, man. I just want them, uh, you know, Andrew's taking care of his, you know, he's married. Well, yeah, he's married, got a kid. I got a grand, got a granddaughter now who's at, granddaughter, Jesus Christ, I'm not old or what, you know. At don't the, start. Don't, don't even go there. That's, you know, Wait a minute. I got, I got, I have, I have six, okay? So yeah. it's all good, dude. I got 17. 17? 17? Grandkids. Hey, man, you might want to get him off the, get him off the air right now. No, I need to make some money. Come on now. <laughs> Hire me. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to tour. <laughs> you got your own school. <laughs> and four great grands. I think I might, I might be off because I know they keep coming. I just had my, my youngest. No. Yeah. Not my youngest son. He had a little girl. And then the one in the middle, he just had a little boy. Only five years old. You got 17 grandkids. Jesus, man. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill gets surprised here today on the show. You know, he'll be yeah. walking with a new car. No, no, that's good. <laughs> well, so, I you know, talk, talking about that. money, talking about money, I want to ask you about this. As long as on the money thing, uh, you're doing an endowment uh, scholarship uh, for uh, for University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, we're doing an endowment scholarship, then pandemic hit. So the endowment scholarship is just a little bit on the hold, just a little bit until everything else works. We, yeah, we have that. And we have a general scholarship, too, down there that we give out. It's called, me and my wife, it's called the Braggs Randolph General Scholarship Fund, too. So, And basically, it's it's your story because you went there because you got a scholarship, and that's that's a pretty cool way to pay back. I got a scholarship for myself and seven other students from my night, based on the performance I gave when this choir came to Indiana, and we went over to Indiana to... Uh, I thought we were just going in there to see a, see a choir sing. I didn't know I was going to audition. Mm. Got there, my my uh, high school teacher said, this is Larry Braggs, and she introduced me to Professor McGee, and she pulled out the music. And I'm going, well, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> you have to audition. Audition for what? For school. Who's going to school? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened, man. And I, I did a... Uh, I remember the song was Old Mother Hubbard, but it was a classical piece called Old Mother Hubbard. And, okay. and I did that song. And next thing I know, I had my scholarship and it was seven of us total, six other students from the school, went mm. to school there. And four mm. stayed and graduated. One went to the Marines. One came home and one had my child, Andrew, and came home. <laughs> hey. Okay, that's a good thing. Uh-huh. That, I like the story. Yeah, so. Mel, you, you started to ask a question. I kind of interrupted you there. Go ahead. Yeah, as I was saying I got to ask Larry this question because uh, we've been working on something. And I said to our social media fans yesterday that we might make a surprise announcement today. Okay. Um. But I'm going I'm to, like I say, I'm going to ask Larry, you want to really release this information? Surprising me, too. What are we talking about? Oh, this, you mean uh, the song? Oh, oh that, yeah, that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
yeah, we're working on the song that we're going to put out. Yeah, I haven't told people that we've been working on the song, but I thought I might say something about it today. Yeah, well, I think you have to now, pal, so go ahead and yeah, do yeah. it. Well, I was going to ask the audience, too. Hey, you guys want to hear you know a little bit about this song that me and Larry are working on? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lady sitting up front. She's like, yeah, y'all better tell me something because I need to know what's going on to be holding back. Come on, tell me. I said, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and release it. I started writing a song, and then I talked to Larry about it. And when he heard my demo version, he said, Val, man, you can't sing. <laughs> what? What? And I, and I had to think about who am I talking to? All right, I'm talking to Larry Braggs. Yeah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, shut yeah, up, you're right. You're right. Okay, you're right. Okay. All right, I can't sing. You said, man, you must have been drinking something when you recorded it. Well, uh, okay, that's enough, Larry. Look, I just want to know, can you sing this for me, please? <laughs> I'm going to tell you the whole story. Now you open the door, I'm going to tell you. All right. <laughs> But he sent me this song with, with like nine pages of lyrics, first of all. Bill, <laughs> oh. is this a song or a storybook? <laughs> there were so many words. It was, it was a beautiful song. But, you know, I'm going, okay, he's a keyboard player. Right. You know, he is not a songwriter. He's a keyboard player, songwriter, but he's not a lyricist. He is a lyricist, but he doesn't know where to stop talking. <laughs> you gotta break it up a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so we he he said, Hey man, listen, take the song and if you can, you know, I said, Bell, do I have, you know, create creative rights to like change things? Oh yeah. So I got off the phone right after that. I didn't want to hear anything else. I just got off the phone. We had some stipulations behind it. And so I didn't I didn't I didn't get rid of I didn't change his words, I just dropped out a few of them. Hundred mm -hmm. words, and then put the song back together, and pretty cool song, man. I, it's really a nice jazz tune. So you know. when do we get? When do we get to hear this, guys? When do we get to hear the song? Well, Larry says these. <laughs> because I'm, I'm afraid of it. You know, you know, I'm like any other musician. When you do something, you're like, ah, oh, that don't sound right. You know, but you got to stop listening at some point. Just say, okay, let the people make up their mind because no matter what you do, it's still going to be you. And, yeah, you know, and if you know, because I hate listening to myself, first of all, yeah. and that's a, I guess that's that might be uh, normal for a lot of artists, musicians, you know, painters, you know, any well, that happens. And I've had that discussion with uh, some students too. I'm actually coaching a 17 year old uh, female vocalist, soon to be 18, and uh, you know, she recorded a song with a Grammy award-winning producer and with the orchestra and uh, you know, dad's helping her do the uh, music side of, or business side of things in the music business. And uh, I'm doing the songwriting side. And she let me hear the song the other day. And I said, wow, this is, the quality is great on this song. Just, but I know, but I, I'm hearing that extra voices in the back. I don't know, it just seems like it's, it's too intense. I said, okay. so. But I think it's good. She didn't want to hear what I had to say. She went back and talked to the engineer and said, look, can you fix that? So they did another version of it, brought the voices down a little bit. She sent me a new copy of it. She said, well, so what do you think now? I said, well, I told you it was good the first time. 
<laughs> but it's okay, like you did it. Okay, as long as you're happy, that's good. Yeah, at some point you gotta leave it alone. Larry, it wasn't five minutes later after we finished the session. She's sending me a text back, but but I still don't feel. I said, "Girl, look, uh, you said you were sick. You've been taking that Sudafed. It's the drugs talking. Go to sleep. Go to sleep." <laughs> right. So I told her later. I said, "What happens is with musicians, you become too critical of yourself. Yeah. You know, once it's good and you're getting good." accolades from people who are in the business and know what good is yeah. leave it alone yeah. because not everybody's going to like it anyway there's some people who like things some people who don't you know, that's just the way life is yeah. but let it go and show yourself be happy with what you've created and just do better as you keep going mm-hmm. you know in in the voiceover business very many times we'll get a great take on the first take and of course uh, the agency sitting there and the client sitting there we're not going to pay this guy for a good take, one take. Come on, let's hear some more. But the the very first take was the take that you wanted. Did you ever get into a situation in the studio where you sang, and then you sang it again and again and again, and you went back to the first take? That ever happened? Yeah, George, mm. George Duke did that to me. Mm. I sang the song, and, and uh, he said, okay. And then I sang it again and again. I'm in that way. Come on, hear me. I don't hear nobody else in the booth in there. And I'm going, George, George. And I hear this voice, faint voice, like in the distance, like through the microphone. Yeah. yeah. I said, Am I done? He goes, Oh, yeah, you've been done. I just thought you wanted to sing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was done. I was done. I got to get a good. Good take. That's pretty funny. When, hey, when will you hear this song? When's the song coming out, Phil? When are we going to be able to listen to it? Uh, as soon as Larry sends me a copy. Well, oh, yeah. I'm going to send him the copy. I promise I'm going to get it to him between now and Sunday. All right. So then we go to mix. Any particular and- Sunday or just, is it this Sunday or any particular? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ray. <laughs> this weekend, I thought I had him. This weekend, Sunday. <laughs> There you go. Done deal. I can't wait to hear it. I guess we'll help you. We'll mix it here as well for you as well, Velvo. But uh, this is good. Okay. So I think I think we had to cap this whole thing off by uh, number one. Um, uh, it's been a great conversation, and you guys are both doing incredible things for folks who are in and interested in this this business. F two F is phenomenal. Larry, what you're doing now, teaching. That's but you've always been doing that, and the same with Val, uh, just teaching folks. I think we ought to cap this thing off with uh, hearing the the final the final part of the Messiah being sung by a whiskey tenor. If you don't <laughs> mind, Larry, I just thought I'd ask. Would you, would that be okay? Just one hallelujah. That's all I'm asking for, man. <laughs> Can I do one better? Can I do one better? <laughs> hey, go ahead. Watching Arno, so to all more in front of the deal of Teladon. Kate Ramelena, Hilco, the Aria Pagliacci. All right. That's even better. I'm loving it. And there you have Faith to Form, podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. Larry Braggs, Bell Lewis. 
couple of guys that take this stuff pretty seriously. They do. Tell a friend about the F2F podcast so they can enjoy it as well. It's on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Ray Shillings. Thanks for listening.